In this bulletin, Susan Lee rejects claims those opposed to a voice to parliament are racist. Australians urged to have enrolment details up to date to vote in the referendum. And Victorian Treaty Assembly has criticised an attempt to scaremonger. Deputy Opposition Leader Susan Lee has rejected claims that those who are opposed to a voice to Parliament are racist. This comes as the No campaign has come under attack after being accused of using fear tactics to dissuade voters from supporting a voice. Ms Lee firmly denied accusations of racism while addressing Canberra reporters in Parliament's corridors. Of course Australians are insulted by being called racist or being called any of the other terms that people seem to want to pile on to those who would vote no. Now I have said it's okay to vote no, it's okay to vote yes, it's not okay to be disrespectful in this debate. Of course Australians are frustrated. I think the thing they're most frustrated about is the lack of detail and the lack of answers and the lack of explanation. Campaign leader for the Yes case, Marcia Langton, has asked opposition leader Peter Dutton to remove an image from his social media that claims Ms Langton has branded no campaigners as racist and stupid. Ms Langton denies the allegation and says she will also seek legal advice. The disagreement began on Tuesday after the Bunbury Herald reported remarks Ms Langton made at a forum in Western Australia on the upcoming referendum, claiming she labelled no supporters as racist. Labor Senator Mullandiri McCarthy has defended Ms Langton, saying the comments were taken out of context. Uh, we have to be mindful of the kind of selective reporting that's going on. Uh, this is not a good time uh, to raise uh, further concerns when I think that uh, people like Professor Marcia Langton has said that she was talking about a particular style and not particular people. Australians are being urged to have their enrolment details up to date, with just under a week left to enrol for the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. It comes as Governor-General David Hurley issued the writ on Monday, which sets the Australian Electoral Commission in motion to hold the vote on October 14. People will now have until September 18 to enrol or update their details to vote in the poll. Postal vote applications also opened on Monday and will close on October 11. Australians will be asked to vote yes or no to alter the constitution to recognise the first peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. And you can find comprehensive information about the referendum by visiting the SBS Voice referendum portal at www.sbs.com.au slash voice referendum. The Victorian Treaty Assembly has criticised an attempt to scaremonger after the discovery that fake letters had been sent to North West Victorians claiming to be from one of their members. The First People's Assembly of Victoria, which represents traditional landowners in Victorian treaty negotiations, have released a statement urging people to seek information from trusted sources after the surfacing of letters which they say were designed to create false fear around the reacquisition of land. Assembly member Dylan Clark said the discovery was sad and extremely frustrating and undermined the goodwill the Assembly has worked to achieve around the treaty. The Assembly is working on writing genuine letters to locals explaining the facts and process for treaty. 
Suicide remains the leading cause of death for Australians between the ages of 15 and 45. Over 65,000 Australians attempt to take their own life annually, and over eight Australians are successful every day. Suicide Prevention Australia's latest report indicates Indigenous Australians die by suicide at a rate twice higher than the general population due to experiences of discrimination, historical dispossession, the forcible removal of children, cultural suppression and exclusion. It also shows that LGBTIQ plus people have higher rates of mental ill health and suicide than the general population in Australia due to experiences of discrimination and stigma. As the world marks Suicide Prevention Day, psychiatrist and professor of youth mental health Patrick McGorry says considering the extent of its damage in the country, suicide is still too much in the shadows of public disclosure. I don't think that the current media guidelines are, are fit for purpose, and I think they've reinforced the the shame and stigma associated with suicide by being afraid to talk about it openly. They, they, the guidelines superficially say that that that's okay to talk about it, but then um, that they discourage, uh, for example, putting the issue on the front page of, of newspapers. They discourage the use of suicide as a word in stories. And they often report it, um, um, a death which, which has been caused by suicide without mentioning that fact. Victoria Police will increase its patrols across the Melbourne CBD as the city recovers from another car rampage attack after a vehicle was driven into pedestrians and cars in Burke Street on Friday. Police will expand its patrols in the city grid, South Bank Promenade and sporting precincts to reassure the public about the city's safety after a series of criminal incidents in the past week, including a fatal shooting at a cafe and a stabbing and abduction in Melbourne's north. A 26-year-old man, Zane Khan, has been charged with one count of murder and three counts of attempted murder following the Burke Street incident in which a 76-year-old Brunswick man was killed and five other people injured in scenes reminiscent of the 2017 Burke Street incident which killed six people. Victoria Police Commander Mark Galliott says it's important to put the public at ease as the city prepares for one of its busiest months with school holidays and the AFL Grand Final coming up. It's understandable to think that it's now more than a coincidence that that this has occurred. And with that comes naturally uh, increased tension amongst people. It's apparent that further community reassurance is required. The federal government is being urged to develop a national strategy on the security risks arising from climate change. A group of former Defence Force and security leaders have travelled to Canberra to deliver a briefing to MPs, while also urging the federal government to waste no time in developing a game plan to deal with wide-scale impacts. It comes five days after a major United Nations report found the world needs to rapidly cut emissions to limit the worst impacts of climate change. In response to Senate questions on notice, the Prime Minister says a commission report on the topic won't be released because of classified information. Former Defence Force Chief Admiral Chris Barry from the Australian Security Leaders Climate Group told SBS that this is concerning as those findings would be important information on effective strategy. We're missing in action. My 42 years being in the Defence Force and thinking through 
you know, how do we manage to organise and train and equip a defence force, what it requires you to do is sit down and make some really hard decisions based on good evidence via an intelligence system and, and what I'd call nous, you know, what you think might be going on. But if you haven't bothered to collect the evidence in the first place, what you're doing is making this up on the run. Last month, the Australasian Fire Authorities Council warned this bushfire season in Australia is likely to be the most severe since the 2019-2020 Black Summer fires. The Bureau of Meteorology has again held off on an El Nino declaration, leaving Australia on alert for the prospect of hotter and drier conditions. The Bureau's latest climate driver update continues to say El Nino is likely to develop in spring. El Nino events usually mean less rainfall for Australia, particularly along the east coast, and higher than average temperatures. Other agencies, including the World Meteorological Organization and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in the US, have already declared an El Nino event months ago. However, Caitlin Minnie, a climatologist from the Bureau of Meteorology, says the organisation works to a different set of thresholds that are yet to be reached. So we currently remain at El Nino alert, um, meaning that there is about a 70% chance of an El Nino developing um, in the coming months. Uh, So each country has different criteria for how they define an event, um, and that depends on the conditions and impacts individual to that country. We're waiting for a sustained atmospheric response before we declare an El Nino event. In the past, El Nino has set the scene for intense drought and heightened bushfire risk, but much depends on the strength of the meteorological phenomenon. In NRL, incoming South Sydney player Jack Whiten has received a three-match ban after being found guilty of biting Newcastle 5-8 Tyson Gamble in Canberra's elimination final loss on Saturday. After an 80-minute hearing on Tuesday, the NRL Judiciary Panel took 20 minutes to reach their decision, settling on the penalty despite the NRL's counsel's suggestion of a four-match ban. Whiten will undergo the ban in the first three games of the 2024 season for South, which he has joined after more than a decade of service with Canberra. And now for a look at today's weather. Perth, showers becoming windy, 22. Adelaide, sunny, 26. Melbourne, mostly sunny, 23. Hobart, becoming cloudy, 23. Aubrey-Wodonga, mostly sunny, 22. Canberra, also mostly sunny, 21. Wollongong, sunny, 22. Sydney, smoke haze, 23. Newcastle, sunny, 24. Brisbane, a shower or two, 25. Townsville, mostly sunny, 28. Cairns, a shower or two, becoming windy, 26. Alice Springs, sunny, 30. Darwin, also sunny, 35. And the Torres Strait Islands, mostly sunny, 32. And that is NITV Radio News. 